All right, so now we have all three devices going at once. We're good to go. Okay, you good? All right, so let's pray. Um, let's just pray about it so I can get my mind right and uh, we'll get going. Father God, I love you. Uh, Lord, I do thank you for today. I thank you for uh, just loving us, Lord. Um, God, it's been a, it's been an, uh, an odd morning, um, but uh, it's uh, it's an awesome morning. God, it's uh, it's Easter and it doesn't look like Easter around here. Um, but uh, guess what? The, the the grave is still empty and uh, you're still uh, God. And so, uh, Lord, I do pray that there's um, hope and there's celebration in that. I do pray that uh, today is still Celebration Sunday, uh, whether um, whether we're all together or not. Uh, I do thank you for the technology, uh, even though at times I stub my toe on it. Um, I do thank you for it and being able to uh, see the faces of the people in Passpoint. I haven't seen them in a while, and uh, just it's just been good. Uh, so, Lord, I do pray that you just speak to us today. Uh, I contemplated, um, you know, switching gears and uh, preaching or teaching. I don't preach, but uh, teaching on uh, the resurrection and uh, but God, but you just uh, I want to just continue on with uh, with the Book of Romans. I do pray that uh, as a class we can continue to be. Uh, cohesive in that and we can continue to uh, just uh, grow in our Bible study together. So I do pray you just uh, put me out of the way, Lord, just to speak your word today and that you would just be magnified and glorified in our lives. Uh, I do pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so there were really no announcements. I mentioned that before we turned uh, the other video on, but there's really not a ton going on. I do want to uh, throw out there that... um, there is no service tonight. Uh, Brian's got some things going on, uh, so there will be no service tonight if you guys watch on Sunday nights. Um, so other than that, um, you know, just wanted to um, put that out there. But uh, other than that, let's uh, let's get rock and rolling. So we were in we're in Romans chapter five, uh, correct? And so uh, last week I started uh, what I knew I wasn't going to get through, but uh, I started giving you twelve benefits to your justification in Christ. Twelve benefits to your justification in Christ, right? And so we got through uh, the first uh, six of them. And so let me just pick up in the beginning of Romans chapter 5, try to get us uh, back to where we were, back to... uh uh, back to where we need to pick up and uh, we'll get moving from there. So therefore, uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. That's all the farther we got last week. So I'm just going to pick up there and I'm going to read the rest of this and then we'll circle back around. And it says in verse 5, And hope, continuing on, maketh not ashamed, because the love uh, of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were uh, yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure uh, for a good man some uh, would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if, when we were enemies, uh, we were reconciled to God by uh, the death of His Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And so before I jump right back into this, uh, I didn't really give you any task last week, homework, whatever you guys want to call it. And some of you were like, praise Jesus. And some of you were like, hey, uh, where's my homework? Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, some of you were really looking for it. And that's okay, uh, because the week before I did give you a couple things. And before I jump right into this... Um, I told you in Romans chapter 5, obviously, to be reading it, um, but I told you to start looking for uh, some key words or a key verse. And so before I get back into this, uh, did anybody come up with anything uh, that they think might be a key verse for Romans chapter 5 or a key word or something that really popped out to them before we jump right back into this? Uh, Anybody at all? I know some of you did this, so um, nobody has anything. If you go over to my texting conversation with Meredith, you'll find a picture that has her. Okay. (laughs) All right, well. Share with the class, Meredith. Share with the class. Nobody. (laughs) Okay. That's all good. Uh, I do want to continue on with that. Um, Oh. What? I thought somebody was saying something. Okay, so anyway, uh, I do want to continue on with uh, with that, and so uh, I'll just give you your homework at the beginning of class, uh, or task, or whatever you want to call it. I do want to um, 
I do want you to continue to read Romans chapter 5 because we've got a few more weeks of getting through this, right? But uh, also, I also told you, uh, asked you, uh, recommended to you to memorize Romans uh, 5.8. Did anybody do that? Uh, I just read it. Does anybody uh, have Romans 5.8? It's the second step of the Romans road. Um, anybody? God committed His love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's right. That's good. No, that's really good. Thank you, Abby. Um, <laughs> what? She's dancing. It's fine. Oh, well, good. Uh, see, I can't see you guys, so it's perfect. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah, that's it. And so do memorize that because I do want you guys, I want the entire class to have this memorized, uh, the Romans Road, by the time we get done. And so before I jump into this, I do want to let you know that... Um, my goal, uh, and I know you guys are thinking, yeah, you've been talking about this forever, is to break into some smaller groups and turn this into uh, more of a uh, maybe a Bible study type of thing, but I wanted to get a little ways into Romans. And so I think we're far enough in that uh, whenever you know the government says, hey, you can actually be around people, uh, I want to figure out how that's going to work, what that's going to look like. Uh, and so, what? I got the key verse okay. from Meredith. From Meredith? <laughs> is the key word, the key word is grace, which is six times in chapter five. Does does the cat have Meredith's tongue? <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> Um, so we'll get more into that. I want everybody, uh, I want everybody to work on that. Uh, look for a key word and a key verse, um, and we'll get back into it. So anyway, I want to pick back up where we were because I want to get done with this today. So anyway, I gave you 12 benefits to your justification of Christ. And so I'm not going to do too much review, but because I have to find my spot on this tiny little phone screen, we're going to go through them anyway. So the first one was, uh, the first benefit you get is you have peace with God, right? And so remember that the peace with God is different than the peace of God. And so if you want to know uh, what exactly that is, you're going to have to go back and listen to it because I don't have time to to go back through so the first one was uh the peace of god the second one is you get access into grace right and so we know that the second benefit we have is access into god's grace we can come boldly to the throne uh number three was we get the hope of glory uh so go back and listen to that right we have hope of glory their hope of glory is romans 8 28 29 right that we know that we can be uh like christ that we will be like christ that that we are told that once we get saved we will be like christ that's just how it is we don't have to hope we can be like christ and so um that was that one. Number four, uh, we glory in tribulation. This is I kind of camped out on this one for a while because this is really where we're at. We have to learn how to take the trials and, and tribulation in life, uh, the uh, the coronaviruses of life, and, and make something of them, right? And so you have to glory in tribulation. You have to lean on Christ instead of putting Christ on the back burner. Uh, number five was you have you you the the fifth benefit to uh, justification is you have patience to endure that goes right along with uh, the tribulation because with tribulation comes patience and so now you have patience to get through things those of you who have kids know what I'm talking about uh, and then number six the last one we talked about last week was experience that's the that's the sixth benefit of your justification and experience experience comes along when you go through some things when you go through some trials when you go through the fire when you uh, have to suffer a little bit, right? Uh, I, I mentioned at some point, you know, if, if maybe you went through a little bit of suffering, you'd stop complaining about the preacher so much. If you went through some suffering, you'd stop complaining about the storm a little you know, so much. You'd stop, you know, you would start seeing the good in things instead of always uh, picking things apart, right? And so uh, you get some experience. And so here we are at uh, uh, number 7 in verse 5. So let's just read verse 5 again and, and we'll get into this. I'm really struggling with this phone thing, so just bear with me. So uh, verse 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts uh, by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So the, the seventh thing, the seventh benefit to your justification is you are unashamed of the gospel. And so you're like, well, I know that because you talked about that in chapter 1, so let's move on. But before we move on, I want to give you a little bit. So as we pick up... That's not right. As we pick up uh, number seven on the list of things you get with justification, there's really not a better time to talk about it, right? With our justification comes a natural sense of being unashamed of the gospel, right? Here we are on, what do we call this? You know, oh, yeah, it's Easter and there's bunnies hopping around everywhere or, or Easter cows or whatever we've got going on. Um, but uh, 
This is called Resurrection Sunday. There's hope in today, and I'm really going to circle back around and talk about this in a little bit, but uh, we're on Resurrection Sunday, and we celebrate the proof of what we believe in the empty tomb. Right? We don't have hope in the fact that Jesus is on the cross. We've got hope in the fact that the grave is empty. Um, If that picture doesn't get you fired up, then you may want to check yourself at the door because it should. You've got the picture of an empty tomb, and that should get you all fired up. You know, People want to say, well, we're going to have to cancel Easter this year. We're going to push Easter back until we can get together. No, the tomb's empty. I'm fired up about that, and you ought to be too, right? We have <coughs> excuse me, a Savior who's able to do something that no one else in history, uh, that no one else in the history of ever has been able to do. And that should get you going. That should get you out of bed in the morning. That should get you out of your pajamas and ready for, and ready for class, ready for church. I'm fired up. That should make you proclaim His name. Even if you can't have public gatherings, you should still find ways to tell people because there's hope in that. right? That should get you going. You should know that, you know what? Maybe I can't go out uh, and, and witness. I can't go door to door. But man, you ought to find some way to tell somebody. Go through your contact list. Start throwing out some verses. I don't know. Figure something out. Stand on your front porch and yell at your neighbors. You know, do something. Do something. But most of us... What's that? I'm going to have to yell really loud, but that's okay. I'll try. You know, I I don't know. I'll try. Maybe the eagles will come in, you know, because we've got these eagles everywhere around. So, I don't know. So, anyway, when most of us got. What's that? (laughs) America, right? When most of us got saved, we were totally into the gospel for our lives, right? So go back to the... So just take a time out for a second and, and fast track back to when you got saved. You were really into the fact that the gospel changed your soul, right? It's like, yes, I, I am changed from the inside out. I am a new creature. Um, yeah, we were into that part of it. Um, Let's see, but but there were were still some worldly, we'll call them reservations, about going out and preaching on a street corner, right? You know, you have some people like Brian Hedges who say that he got saved and he's had to tell everybody. You know, there are people like that, but for, I would say, more of the majority, you got saved and you were excited about it, but you didn't know what to do with it. And you were semi-timid about it because it was like, I know I want to say something, but I don't know what to say and I don't want to mess it up, and so I don't know know what to do, right? And so I... uh, I'll give you a quick story about this to kind of make this make sense. When I got saved, it was uh, obviously miraculous. And so we all have that person, I told you guys this story before, uh, in our lives that was like, man, it's really awesome that God saved me, but I don't think there's any way that God could save that person because they're just like, they're they're more loster than I am, right? Yes, that's my English, more loster. And so that person for me was uh, was my brother. And it just happened to be, he was he was just he was more loster than I was. I'll just say that. Not really. We're all uh, the same amount of lost. But anyway... And so I, I really, I prayed. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't want to mess this up. Um, but I really wanted to get in the gospel. And so uh, we had this deal, and I don't have to tell you all the details. But anyway, I finally got to the point where it was just like, man, are you saved? And I, I really wanted him to know it, but I, I'm so timid about it. I didn't know what to do. And uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so no big deal. And, and I didn't, I was like, I know you're lying to me. I didn't tell him that, but I'm like, you're lying to me. And so the only thing I could come up with was, when did you get saved? Because I was like, put, let's try to put some handles on this thing. And, and then you could just kind of see the color in his face drain out. And, and he really couldn't give me an answer. right? And so I knew, I'd put, him, I'd put him to the point. And then so it was just like, that was the perfect opportunity for me to do what? To share the gospel, right? Uh, but I was so timid in it and I was so afraid of messing it up that here's the, here's the information that I gave him. He'll tell you this story the same way that I'm telling you. I was like... You need to make you, you need to go see Pastor Brian and he'll he'll tell you what you need to do. I was so worried about messing it up. I was so timid in my faith that it was just like go do that. And and then even Pastor Brian will tell you that that Brad McGuire, my brother, is the only person who's ever called and made an appointment in the office to come get saved. Because that's what he did. He come walking in the door. He had an appointment for several days later. He came in. He's like, I need to get saved, right? But I was so timid in my faith. You know, I was all about it for me, but I didn't know. I, I wasn't bold in it, right? And so I, I don't want to say that I was ashamed of the gospel, but I didn't want to mess it up. But as we grow in Christ, and, our, and, and as we grow in our walk with Christ, we become more, more bold in our faith, which, allow, which in turn allows us to, to show on the outside 
what we knew all along on the inside, right? It allows us to uh, not be timid to uh, to share what God's showing us in the Word. It allows us to not be timid uh, about uh, being able to uh, proclaim what God has done in our life. It allows you to be more bold in what you're doing, right? And, and, and guess what? That's what the world needs. It allows you to finally realize that, you know what? It's not me anyway. It's Jesus. It's Jesus that's given me this. It's Jesus that's given me my devotion out of the Word. It's Jesus that's given me this teaching. It's Jesus that's given the Word. And that's what the world needs. And you become a little more bold in it. right? And that's what Paul's talking about. You're not ashamed of the Gospel. Connecting back to last week, as you go through tribulations, and as you grow through tribulations, and as you grow in hope because of God's track record of bringing you through the tribulations, notice the uh, the theme here of there's tribulation, there's always going to be. right? And you have experience because you've gone through some tribulations, you're now much more comfortable in your faith and much less ashamed of the gospel that saved you. Do you know why this is able to happen? Why as you grow, you're much less ashamed of the gospel that you know saved you? Well, let me tell you why. Because you grow not only through tribulations, but through the Word of God. You guys know that. You grow through the Word of God. And as you put the Word in, the Spirit that lives inside of you now has more more to work with, let's say, right? And not that the, the, the spirit that's inside of you needs it, but it allows you to work it out, right? Uh, and it gives you the confidence of the things that you already know. Verse 5 says that we're not ashamed. Why? Because, of the love, because the love of God is shed abroad by the Holy Ghost which we were given. You see, you not only have hope in a resurrected Savior, but also in the fact that the Savior lives inside of you, right? It's not only, it, doesn't, it shouldn't even only fire you up if the, the tomb is empty today. But it should fire you up that the guy who got out of the tomb now lives inside of you. Man, it, that ought to get you going. But why is it only, you know, once a year that we're like, oh yeah, I remember that now. We should live that way all the time. When you and I start to realize the power that you have living inside of you, man, you really have to get that point. The third part of the Trinity lives inside of you. Then it's easy to see why we're naturally unashamed of the gospel. That's, that's a benefit of your justification. You're not ashamed anymore. Moving on, number eight. Let's pick it up in verse six. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the eighth benefit to the justification you get in Christ. You get Christ's sacrifice. You get Christ's sacrifice. That's a benefit. And we move on to number eight on the list and we get with our justification. Uh, and really, to me, this should be number one. Without Christ's sacrifice, none of the other stuff would matter. And yes, I already know that you know, you're wanting to split hairs and you're like, well, it, it, it does take Christ's sacrifice to even get justified. I get that. You're like, well, how, I had Christ's sacrifice before I was justified. Yes, I understand that. I get that. But... Once you're justified, Christ's sacrifice doesn't end. See, that's what happens. We get we get justified, we get saved, right? And we get this justification in Christ, and then we like we just put you know Christ's sacrifice on the shelf, right? We 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 take that get into to heaven free ticket, and we're like, okay, I'm good to go now. But it, but but it doesn't stop. The key here to remember, now hear this. The key here to remember, and we have a really good picture of this since this last week has been the Passover week. But the key is. What, what was your state when you died? Or, I'm sorry, that's not right. You're dead, right? What was your state when Jesus died? What was your state when Jesus died? Well, I know you're going to be like, well, I wasn't even born yet, Jason. But God knew you before you were even created. So, you know, take that argument out. What was your state when Christ died? Right? Somebody give it to me. Somebody, well, how were you in, in, in God's eyes, right? You were a sinner. You were lost. You were broken. You were hopeless. Right? There was nothing good in you. There's no two ways about it. You were a sinner. You have to realize, and and I think this is one of those things that we quote-unquote maybe know, but we don't really quote-unquote know. But but you got to realize this for a minute. When Jesus went to the cross, and so we've been we've been talking about this, and Brian's probably going to preach about it, and I mean, I don't know. We didn't get the same sermon offline this week like Mitchell was talking about, but anyway, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I only get some of my sermons offline, so uh, totally kidding again. Uh, anyway, uh, You have to realize, Christ went to the cross, right? Why did He do it? Well, because God told Him He was going to have to. We understand all that, right? He did it for the sin of the world. We understand all that. But put it, put it in a human, fleshly sense. He was man just like you are, right? He struggled with the same things that you do. 
um, yet he did it without sin. Okay, He even, in the garden, asked God, please take this cup from me. Because he knew how bad it was going to be to embrace the suck, as Mitchell would say. Right? He knew what it was going to be. It, it's, it's, it, it was going to be nearly impossible, but... But God, you know, no. This is this. Is, I sent you here for this reason. He went to the cross. I don't need to. I don't need to tell you all the the aspects of it, right? He was beaten in a way that no man has ever been beaten, right? Uh, he was thrown on a cross. He died, you know, crucified. We all get that, right? They take him down. They throw him in a tomb. Story's over, right? That, that's that's how people know the story. But hang on a minute. You have to realize that you think you know this, but you don't really know this. When he went to the cross, and he had those nails driven through his hands and his feet. Now that's the part that people. Well, I don't really like to think about it like that, right? I know he died for me, but I don't. I don't really like to. No, that's how graphic it was. When he when he had the nails driven through his hands and his feet, and his blood dropped on the ground. Oh, I don't like to talk about the blood. Well, that's what we talk about every time we take the Lord's Supper. That's that's the blood of Christ, right? Not really. It's you know unfermented grape juice, but you guys understand that's the picture, right? Um, it's the what was that? Anyway, so uh, his blood's dropping on the ground. There was not one good thing in you. The whole time that he did that for you, he knew the entire time there was no good in you. Right? There was nothing good that you could even think about doing, let alone do. And yet, the nails went anyway. The blood dropped anyway. Right? He did it even in your sin. He took the death that you deserved... When you deserved it, because he loved you that much. Now that's the part of the gospel that we're like, yeah, I get it, but I don't, I don't think you really get it. I don't think you really get it because if you really got it, you wouldn't live like you're living. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to, right? The key is the fact that he did it. I would even say in spite of you, because he loved you that much, right? He did it in spite of your good tries, right? Because he loved you that much. That's what, that's what Christ's sacrifice is all about. Now, you guys know that. Paul uses an example to help us pick up what he's laying down, right? He says, he says you wouldn't even hardly even consider dying for a good person, someone who's done good to you your entire life. But yet, but yet Christ did it when there was no good in you at all. Right? You wouldn't do that, Paul says. And, and I'm telling, and if you're telling yourself that you would, you're lying. That's what Paul's like. Hey, I get it. You're like, you know, maybe, you know, part of venture, you might die for a good man. You're lying to yourself. There ain't nobody you're going to lay your life down for. It just doesn't happen like that. You know? And you might say, well, I'd do it for my wife. I'd do it for my kids. The, the, the point is, for the random stranger, you're not going to do it. Right? Why? Well, because I gotta protect me and mine. Because uh, you know, I've gotta provide for my family. I've gotta. I, I get all that. The point is, Christ did it, and you were horrible to him the whole time, and he did it anyway. He did it anyway. That's what makes what Christ did so amazing. You know, we miss it. Verse eight is an amazing verse, right? Abby recited it earlier. Some of you recited it in your head because you didn't want to say it, but I know you know it. Uh, verse 8 is an amazing verse that explains exactly what happened for you. It says that God commendeth His love toward us. That means He presented a suitable substitution. right? He, he said, here's something that's suitable to substitute. He commended His love towards us. And when did He do that? When did He, when did he commend his love towards us, class. Well, let me tell you, because you're not going to answer anyway. While we were yet sinners, while we were lost, while we were hopeless, while we were living it up, you know, having a good time, living for ourselves, prideful as all get up, that's when he did it. When there was not even one good intention in your heart, let alone in your actions. And while you were in that state, now think about that. Think about how you were right before you got saved. How broken were you? How messed up were you? How jacked up was your life? Right? We could go around the, 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 the room here and talk about just how messed up we were before we finally broke down and gave Christ. Okay, in that sense, that's how Christ saw you. And He's like, you know what? I'm going to die for that. I'm going to die for that. The state of a fallen sinner, Christ died for you and I. That's some kind of love. Right? That's the, oh yeah, I know what Christ did for me. No, you don't. Because if you did, you wouldn't live like that. If you did, you wouldn't say that. If you did, you'd get up in the morning and read the Bible. If you did, you'd be more serious about whatever. Right? The point is, and I'm not trying to get all up on your toes, right? The point is, if we got it, we would live it. 
So the question is, how are you living it? Right? How are you living it? You know, the book of Romans, I told you as we got into this, you know, the book of Romans, a good title for Romans is The Righteousness of God Revealed. So how, how is the righteousness of God revealed in you? How this week, this past week, not, not your good intentions for this upcoming week, but how in this past week, how did God's righteousness get revealed in your life? Think about that for a minute. That's like a good check. That's like a really good, uh, oh, okay. Thanks for uh, thanks for that. Uh, that's like a really good check. Well, Brent, out of the, out of the blue, uh, my son asked Paige something the other day. Uh, what was what was he asked you? Uh, it just kind of and, and it was just a you know rhetorical question, but it was like, oh, thanks for that. That didn't help. Um, so if you wake up tomorrow with only the things that you specifically thanked God for today, what would you have? Yeah. So if you didn't hear that, it, it, the question was if if you uh, what well, if, if you woke up tomorrow and you only had Tomorrow, the things that you specifically thanked God for today, what all would you have tomorrow? And it's like, oh, well, thanks for that. <laughs> I'll do better tomorrow. Um, but yeah, just, just things like that. I mean, how, how are we living? We know these things, but are we, do we really know these things? Are we living them, right? Uh, so number nine, the ninth benefit to our justification in verse nine. We have protection from wrath. Protection, protection from wrath. Much more than... Verse 9, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. So what's that talking about? Well, let's talk about it. The next benefit of your justification is you have protection from the coming judgment. What is the wrath that we're talking about? Somebody really quick, uh, turn yourself off mute. Um, Meredith is texting you and I'm looking at it because she doesn't realize that I am talking on your phone. So... <laughs> I didn't even have to tell us. <laughs> what? Anyway, uh, somebody get uh, somebody read Hebrews 9.27, right? Somebody get that really quick. 9.27. I didn't see the question, Meredith, or I would answer it, but uh, I just saw that your name popped up. Uh, <laughs> can you make me a member so I can join the chat? A member? You shouldn't have to be. Too much time to worry about it. Go on. That was a thing. I'm muting myself. Which still she is a member. Eats and drinks and divers, washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Is that nine ten? 927. I was like, either I told you the wrong verse or something, but Hebrews 927. Yes. And, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, that's the one. after this, the judgment. Thank you. That's the one. I was really concerned for a minute because I'm like, I don't, I just have a reference in here. That's right. So, as it is appointed unto man once to die, we all know in Adam we will die, right? Our daddy Adam, we're, we're condemned to die. And after that, what? Oh, our glorification? No, no, no. It's not what it says. And after that, the judgment. So what's the judgment we're talking about? Okay, so there's two judgments, and I don't have a ton of time to explain this, but some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of you, this might be new to you. So, we know, as it is appointed unto man, wants to die, and after this judgment. There are two judgments after death, right? You will go to one or the other. You never go to both. It's not possible. It's one or the other. So, if you are saved, if you've put your faith in the blood of Christ, you've taken that on, right? You will go to the judgment seat of Christ. At the judgment seat of Christ, I'm going to go through this quickly. If you want to go through this teaching uh, more in depth, this is like a D2 style something. But uh, I would I would love to to tell you more about it, but we don't have time. So anyway, there's two judgments. The saved person goes to the judgment seat of Christ. At the judgment seat of Christ, you are judged for not any sin. Your sin as a as a born again believer was all judged on the cross, right? Past, present, and future. It's all judged on the cross. So the judgment seat of Christ is for what you did for Christ from the day you got saved after. And that's what we talk about, how the the works, are, you don't want your works to burn up, like wood, hay, and stubble. I want uh, gold, silver, and precious stones. The souls of men, right? Things like that. So that's the judgment seat of Christ. That's not the judgment he's referencing, Paul's referencing uh, in Romans chapter 5. He's referencing the other judgment. The other judgment is called the great white throne judgment. Read about it in Revelation, right? And so this judgment is for every person in the world who has ever lived or there will ever live up until the point when Christ comes that doesn't receive Christ, right? Anybody who is not saved, they go to the great white throne judgment. As is appointed unto man wants to die and after this the judgment. When you die... There will be a time at the great white throne judgment 
where you stand before Christ. And this is where people, religious people, that didn't really get saved, want to, want to talk about all the good works they did, all the good things they did, all the, uh, all the accolades, all the, well, you have to let me in, right? This is where your country song talks about, well, I was good enough on this side that you gotta let me in on this side, right? Or, you know, you, you hear a lot of good country songs about that. But guess what? The great right throne judgment, at the end of the day, you can, you can, you can spill your heart out to God on how, why He should let you in. And it's going to come down to, did you accept Christ? No. Okay. Well, then guess what? There's only one sentence for a judgment like that. And it's hell. That's just the way it is. And you're like, well, I don't think that's right. Well, we can have that discussion a different day. But you have to understand that if you go back to chapter 1, we talked about this. If God is holy enough to save you, He has to be holy enough and just enough to condemn you. Because it was your free will choice anyway. Okay, so the great white throne judgment is what we're talking about. So... He says, uh, he says in verse uh, nine, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath uh, through him. So we have protection from wrath. Paul says, you know what, my friend in Rome, or my friend in quarantine in Harrisonville or roundabout area, God loved you so much that not only did He die for you, but He died for you while you were still lost in your sin. And not only did He do that, but He did it for a purpose because He knew that the end of the story. He knew the end of the story and he didn't want anybody to go through that. And you might say, well, if he didn't want anybody to go through that, then why did he do that? Because he's just. Right? Because he's just. It would be like saying, well, uh, you know, somebody uh, killed my uh, killed my wife. And I would just be like, well, that's okay because, you know, God loves you. Well, no, I want there to be some sort of judgment for that. It's just. You know, and that's just the way it is. That's the same way that God is. He's just. And so God knows the end of the story. And he says, you know what? I don't want you to go through that wrath. That's what Paul's telling the people in Rome. I don't... He doesn't want you to go through that wrath. So guess what? One of the benefits of your justification is protection from that wrath. When you're justified, you don't have to go through that. That was God's plan all along, to provide a way for those who choose to submit and follow Him. So this is where a really good picture of the Old Testament Passover can maybe help help paint a picture. Because I don't think you're tracking with me like I want you to track with me. So the Passover, back when they were in Egypt, they go to Pharaoh and they're like, hey, uh, we, we, we want to leave. And Pharaoh's like, uh, nah, I don't think so, right? <laughs> Too bad, you're, you're kind of like my slave and I like all the things that you do for me, right? And so uh, God would send the plague. Uh, Pharaoh would quote-unquote repent, uh, supposedly you know, get saved, follow God. Uh, the, the plague would stop. Moses would come back, hey, we want to leave. And, oh, no, you're not leaving, you're my slaves. So this went on and on and on, okay? So then the last uh, of the plagues, God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the death angel, and we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, through the land, and I'm going to kill all the firstborn. Now, we think about that like just the little babies, but you got to figure, uh, of every family that ever lived, the firstborn died. Grandpas, dads, moms, you know, uh, the firstborn of a family died. A lot of people were going to die. And so, but God said, here's what's going to happen. I want you to take, uh, I want everybody in Israel to go and, and, and uh, kill an innocent lamb and take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost. Right? He said, this is the day I'm going to do this. And you take the blood of the lamb, you put it on the doorpost. Right? Okay. And so when the death angel comes through, if he sees the, the innocent blood of the lamb on the doorpost, he knows to pass over your house. Right? And so it's basically saying, I'm going to put my faith in the innocent blood. Right? That is the Passover in Exodus. If you want some, some extra reading, go back and read that story. It's really awesome. Right? And so, uh, what's, what's the chapter on that page? I know you're looking at it right now. 11, yeah, somewhere Exodus 10, 11, 12-ish. Right? Go in there and read that story. It's really good. But anyway, so that's, that's the picture that we have. This is the Passover. Now today... Because you're like, okay, well, I don't like what you're getting at, Jason. Today we don't have a death angel that passes over that we need to fear, right? Well, I don't want something to happen. I don't want the death angel to come get me. But, but guess what? We've got something that's even worse. And let me tell you what it is. Here's, here's what we have that's worse. The fact that death is still batting a thousand. I've never met anybody who didn't die, right? Death is still batting a thousand. There's no one who's ever been able to sidestep death. Christ himself didn't sidestep death. He could have because he was sinless, but he didn't. Right? Nobody's been able to sidestep death. So back to the point, we know that everyone is going to die at some point. Do you agree with me? If you don't agree with me, now would really be a good time to, to, to step up. We will all die. And now, and we know now that everyone's going to be judged. I told you. The great white throne, the judgment of Christ. At one place or the other. So God made a way of protection from the wrath 
And that's that the way that we can sidestep that wrath is if we simply apply the blood of the Lamb, Christ Himself, the blood of the Lamb, right, upon the doorpost of our heart. Right, that is the Old Testament picture of the Passover applied in the New Testament believer. You take the precious blood of the Lamb, the innocent blood that did nothing wrong. Right, you might be like, why'd they have to kill the lambs? Why couldn't they kill like you know something that was a nuisance? Well, that's that's the picture, right? Uh, you take the innocent blood of the Lamb that did nothing wrong, and that covers it. Okay, the same way that the innocent blood of Christ it put on the the doorpost of your heart covers you. Right, that's the covering. That's what verse 9 is talking about when it says protection from wrath. And it's only available because death couldn't hold him down. The only way that that ever even works is the fact that death couldn't keep him anyway. Even if it wanted to, it couldn't. And that's some kind of protection. That's some kind of love. Moving on. Verse 10, or number 10. The tenth benefit. Reconciliation through death. Reconciliation through death. Verse 10. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Okay, so what Paul uses is a contrast. Paul's like, okay, uh, I need something that's going to help you get this. He uses a contrast to help us understand the next point. He says, if I was willing, talking about Christ, if I was willing to give my life for you when you were a sinner, how much more will I be willing to give my life to you now that you're a part of my family. If I was willing to give my life for you when there was nothing good in you, how much more am I going to be willing to give my life to you now that you're saved? Do you get what I'm saying? It's one thing to say, well, uh, you're not in my family. You're not, you know, uh, that's all good. Christ did it anyway. You know, the same way that you're like, well, I might not die for, you know, the homeless guy down the street, but I'd die for my wife. How much more would Christ do it now that you're in the family? We like to use the phrase that when you mess with family, it's personal, right? Or something along those lines. Well, guess what? Once you're in the family of God, God takes it personal. Right? He takes it personal. We were reconciled to God by His death on the cross. And that gave us salvation. You understand that, right? Christ died on the cross, buried, rose again. Now we have salvation. Okay, we get that. We're reconciled to God by His death on the cross that gives us salvation. But most of us skip the next part of the verse. It goes on to say that we continue to be reconciled by His life. That's sanctified. That's sanctification. Right? We, we are continually reconciled. And that's sanctification. So i got a question. I think I just gave you the answer. But anyway, does God's reconciliation ever stop in your life? Does God's reconciliation ever stop in your life? Well, I already told you the answer, so I'll just you know save the, the dead silence of nobody answering. Uh, no. No, not at all. Meredith just said, no, see, now she knows I'm looking. Okay, so now I see how you're going to play this. Uh, does God's reconciliation ever stop in your life? No. So let me tell you why. You're reconciled to Christ unto, or into salvation. We get that, right? But you're daily reconciled through the Holy Spirit, right? The third part of the Trinity that's inside of you as you battle the flesh. And you choose to follow the Spirit instead of the flesh. That's the difference between salvation and sanctification. You are reconciled once, and that could be somebody's argument. Well, no, I'm, I'm only reconciled once. I don't lose my salvation. I get that. You're reconciled once into salvation. You're reconciled daily, depending on how bad you are, maybe hourly or minutely, right? I don't even know that's a word. Uh, how messed up you are, you're reconciled through the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And we'll get a lot more into that in chapter 7, right? as Paul gives us his example of battling the flesh. Before we move on, though, I want to tie this point back to the resurrection, like I have each of the other points today, since, you know, today's Easter. Without the death that He died, without the death that Christ died in our place, there would be no reconciliation to God. Without Him going to the cross... Neither one of the reconciliations would happen. It couldn't. It doesn't matter how good you are, how good you want to be, how good you plan on being. Without that, there's no hope. That's why today's so awesome. And you're like, well, today's not really that awesome because I can't do anything. It really doesn't matter if you get to gather and you know eat a bunch of food and do all the things. You know, I, I really do think that God is using this time uh, to bring us back to the main things, right? Bring us back to what we need to be. Without the death. There will be no reconciliation. Okay, number 11. Got to keep moving. Number 11. In verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we now have received the atonement. Number 11, the first part, because there's two of them in verse 11. The, the 11th benefit in your justification. You have joy in God. 
you have joy in God, right? And you're like, well, I'm not very joyful. Well, that's that's your choice. The benefit, this benefit of justification should be self, pretty self-explanatory. If you can get the first ten benefits and not have a sense of joy in your heart, then uh, once again, maybe you ought to check your pulse. Maybe you ought to check yourself at the door, right? Because something's not right. The joy of the Lord is a study all on its own for a different day. But I do want to point a couple things out. Because I had a feeling I'd be almost out of time at this point. We have joy because we have hope. Right? Is there anybody that has joy that doesn't have hope? Now think about that for a minute. Well, uh, yeah, duh. Okay, no, I'm being serious. Is there anybody that has joy that doesn't have hope? No, we have joy because we have hope. And we have hope only because of what? Because of today. Because of an empty tomb. That's why. That, my friend, is the only reason that we have Christians have hope. Well, no, I have hope because I've got faith. You've got faith because the tomb is empty. I will bring it back to this point over and over again, and I will be right every time. The only reason that you have any of these things is because the grave is empty. The tomb is empty. The stone is rolled away. This is why Jesus is not still on the cross. Because if that's where you leave him, then the story doesn't have the same ending. I don't mean to step on your toes if you're... Well, I'm not even going to go there. I don't mean to step on your toes, right? But Jesus ain't on the cross anymore. But if you still see him on the cross, then you have no hope because he's still dead. When he's on the cross, he's dead. There's no hope in that. People talk about Good Friday. Ain't nothing good that happened on Friday. Well, he died for me. Okay, he died. That's great. If he didn't resurrect, nothing matters. If he doesn't resurrect, there's no hope. He's just as good as a dead man like every other man that's ever lived and died. There's nothing good about Friday. There's nothing good about Jesus on the cross. What's good is the empty tomb. Man, you guys got to get this. Right? He's still dead if he's on the cross. I see Christ on the right hand of the Father because the tomb is empty. That's where you ought to see him. Why does this fire me up so much? Why doesn't it fire you up so much? I'm glad you asked because I plan on telling you the empty tomb fires me up. Not only because it means that Jesus has defeated death. Now get this. It doesn't only get me fired up because it means Jesus has defeated death, but because Paul tells me in the book of Thessalonians that there will be a day when I'm going to resurrect just like Jesus did. right? And if that doesn't get you like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool, then something's wrong with you. right? Something isn't right. Yeah, it's awesome. Tomb's empty. Jesus is gone. Why is that so awesome? Because I'm going to do the same thing. Through Christ, I will resurrect. If you're saved today, you will too. If that doesn't give you joy and hope and peace and all those other fruits of the Spirit that I can't think of right now, then, 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 then man, what's wrong with you? We have a risen Savior who will one day, who one day we will be risen to meet in the clouds. And get fired up about that. You know, get, get, on, get on the train with that. I don't care if you're quarantined at home. Jesus was quarantined in the grave and that didn't stop Him. Right? And then I'm not saying, okay, well, Jason said I can go do whatever I want. That's not what I said. Right? Still follow the, the, the rules. Okay? But man, this isn't... And I'll take a time out from teaching. This isn't a break from Jesus. This isn't a break from ministry. Right? It's not. Uh, I, I, things got to go on. Teaching's got to go on. Discipleship's got to go on. And, you know, I, I, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how all that's going to work. Right? This isn't, you know, God's time out where you can just take a break. We've got to stay fired up on the mission. We've got to stay on mission. Be excited today that you're saved. Be excited today that the tomb is empty. Be excited today that, that you're still breathing because that, guess what? That means God's not done with you. God isn't. If you're still alive, if you still, when I get done teaching, go in the bathroom, right? Because I'm sure you all need to get rid of some coffee uh, and, and breathe on the mirror. Hopefully your wife didn't just clean like mine did yesterday and don't like draw, draw smiley faces in it or anything. But, but, but if you can fog up a mirror, that means that Jesus isn't done with you. Because if he was done, he'd be done and you'd be done. Okay? So if you're still breathing, then God's still got purpose in your life. God's still got reason to use you. Have joy in that. Have joy in God because that's the benefit of your justification. Right? And here's the last one because I'm, I'm over time like always. Number 12, you have atonement with God. And I don't have a lot with this one because we've already talked about it. You have atonement with God. That's the last benefit to your justification, atonement with God. It says in the last part of verse 11, uh, I'll just read the whole thing, and not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. The last point I have for your benefit of your justification simply encapsulates all the previous points, so I won't take long. You have atonement with God. What does that, what does that mean? Right? Does somebody want to try to give me a, a real quick answer of what 
having atonement with God means? Anybody? What does that mean? Okay, well, I'll tell you. Atonement simply means... What? Go ahead. What? <laughs> I said, uh, well, what is... What is the, i got to find the question. Uh, you, you have atonement with God. What does that mean? That's what, that's what it says in verse 11. That you, by whom we now have received the atonement. What does that mean? It's like, okay, now I know the question. I don't want to answer it, though. That's perfect. Okay. I'm having technical difficulties. I think you said atonement, which you can break up into have one and or have one with Christ. I think that's what you get at. That is, what, yeah, that is kind of what I'm getting at. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what atonement means. If you break that down, it is, it is like at one If you break it down, you are at one with Christ. What does that mean? Atonement, in, in even simpler terms, is simply the reconciliation. I'm sorry. It's the reconciliation of God and mankind through Jesus Christ. That is what atonement is. It is the reconciliation of God and mankind through the bridge of Jesus Christ. Atonement simply means at one You are at one with God. How? Through Christ. Without Christ, you can't be. So how did he do that? Have you been asleep all morning, right? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? The gospel, baby. That's how he did it. It's the gospel. That's how he that's how you have atonement, is through the gospel, through the death, burial, and resurrection. Atonement is taking the perfect, sinless life of Christ and swapping it swapping it out with your sinful, hopeless life, and it all working out in the end. It is God saying, Okay. I've got my son, he's perfect. Um, I've got this whole world of, wow, those guys are messed up. How could I ever make this work? Oh, I know. Here's what I'll do. That's what atonement is. It is God saying, okay, I will take perfect blood of Christ, substitute it for wicked blood of man. Oh, it all works out, right? It is That is what it is, right? The only thing good enough to cover your bad was the sinless life of Christ. Now get that. The only thing good enough, we like to say you can't out God, all that, right? The only thing good enough to cover up your bad was the sinless life of Christ. And He gives that to you in liquid form. It's in the bloodshed for you, right? That's what atonement is. That's what atonement is, right? And so now we've gotten through 11 verses, right? 11 verses of chapter 5. It took two weeks. And so we've got 10 more verses. Hopefully, I don't know how it's going to break out. At least another week or two to get through chapter 5. But... You have to understand, continue to build, because it's easy to take each week by week, sermon by sermon, teaching by teaching, whatever you want to call them, I don't know, uh, and, and break them down and, and whatever. But uh, you have to understand, Paul's been doing something. He took the first three chapters, three plus chapters, and, and got everybody kind of in the same boat, right? I, I like to use that term. He got everybody uh, on the same level playing field. And he said, okay, now I've got to talk. Right? We, we've got to discuss some things. And you're not any better and you're not any worse and we're all together. Okay, So he did that. And then uh, in chapter 4, he basically said, okay, now you have this justification and you only have it through faith, right? By faith, through faith, Old Testament, New Testament. You, got, you get that, right? We've, we've talked about that. So chapter 4 talked about it. You've got justification. Okay, so the Jews aren't any better. The Gentiles aren't any better. The heathen, we're all in the same boat. Uh, okay, good. Chapter 4 says you're justified. Only through faith, right? So faith is how you're justified. And in the first part of chapter 5, he's like, now let me tell you what you got when you got justified, right? What, what came with that justification? We, we spent an entire chapter in chapter 4 talking about you are justified, right? If you're saved through faith, right? Then you are justified. Okay. Well, so then he's like, okay, we'll get to chapter 5. Let's take a, a, a small section, 11 verses here, we just talked about for the last two weeks. Let me talk about what happened when you got justified, right? So that's where we're at thus far. You have to understand how the book continues to build on itself, how it continues to, to move on and build on, right? And so now that we've talked about the benefits that come with that justification, he's going to wrap up chapter 5 talking about how we got it, right? So we know what we got. Now we're going to talk about how we got it. We got it through faith. Um, so we're going to get more into that next week. And so I do want you to, this week, continue to read chapter 5. I know that we're... You're probably getting tired of it, but don't get tired of it, right? Don't get tired of it at all. Um, 
I want you to read, obviously you've read the book several times, you know, I've told you you read a few chapters a day, but if you get time this week, and some of you got extra time on your hands, some of you have less time than you've ever had, I don't know, um, at some point, and I think I told you this early on uh, in the, the study of Romans, but this might be a good week, it might be a good time, remember that this was a letter. So read it from beginning to end, right? People don't stop in the middle of a letter. Read it from beginning to end if you got time. I know it's going to take a little bit, but, but read it. See how it all builds on each other. As you, as you start reading now that we're five chapters in, you're going to really see the stuff that we've talked through and worked through, how it really builds. And so now maybe you'll be able to start putting together how chapter 6 and 7 and then 8 really build together. And then we get to 9, 10, and 11. Oh my goodness, we start talking about the Jews for a minute. And then you get to 12 to 16 and we start talking about, okay, now this is what you can do for God. Right? So the first eight chapters, just as, as a way of review before I get done, the first eight chapters of Romans are what God's going to do for you. Right? These are all the things that God's going to do for you. Chapters 9, 10, and 11, God takes a little hiatus. Paul takes a little hiatus. And he's like, okay, we need to talk for a second about what God has done, is doing, and will do with Israel. 9, 10, and 11. Has done, will do. Or has done, is doing, will do. Okay? So I had like a little, I uh, talked to an HBI about this yesterday. It's like a parenthesis in the middle of the book of Romans. And then in uh, chapters 12 through 16, God's like, okay, so you've had 11 chapters now to hear about all that. Now here's what you can do for me, right? And so that's kind of how it breaks down. So with that, let's pray. Uh, let's let's get done. You guys can get swapped over, uh, and just be excited today. I, it's been a uh, maybe you guys didn't get it. I don't know. It's been an odd day for me, just trying to uh, technology and whatnot. It's, it's my fault, but um, but still be excited. Uh, today is worth being excited for. The, the grave is empty. Uh, Jesus is risen, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rise with him at one day. So, uh, be fired up. Um, so let's pray, uh, and and we'll get out of here. Father God, I love you. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you for today. I thank you for loving us. Lord, I thank you for uh, just uh, doing what we couldn't. Um, Lord, it's one thing to die; we can all do that. But, but God, you you rose from the grave, and so, um, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, give us hope in that, uh, give us uh, peace in that. Lord, I do pray you would just use us this week. Lord, I do pray for uh, Holly uh, and the baby girls and uh, Brady and the rest of the kiddos. Lord, as uh, we're probably within a month of having the uh, for having the the twin girls, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, just work a miracle, um, just just. Uh, Allow everything to go well, Lord. Just keep Holly healthy. Keep the, the family healthy, Lord. Uh, keep the babies healthy. Lord, I pray that whatever they think they found, and uh, that that would just be gone. Uh, Lord, I pray that they're just uh, they're perfect and just the way that you've created them and that you would get the honor and the glory for it, Lord. I do pray for um, the situation that Mickey mentioned earlier uh, at the Lily's house. I pray that you would have your hand on that situation. Uh, God, I pray for... Uh, Lord, we pray for uh, just uh, all the nurses and the doctors. Uh, Lord, there's some even in the pass point class that um, uh, are just on the front lines. And so, uh, Lord, who knows how long this is going to go on? We like to put a time frame on it and say we get to it'll be over at a certain time. But uh, God, you'll know when it's over. But I do pray for them. Keep them healthy. Keep their families healthy. Uh, Lord, continue to use us. Lord, continue to uh, allow the gospel to be manifest in our lives. And uh, Lord, just uh, use us as ambassadors, uh, whether it's from our front porch or uh, from our phone screen or whatever it is, Lord, that we would just proclaim that we would not be ashamed of the gospel and that you would get the honor and the glory from our lives. Send us out this week as, as lights in a dark world that you would get the honor and the glory. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, thanks.